Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Dr. Angela Dunn coming up here momentarily. How's the, uh, the reaction been to your feature, Gordon? Uh, mostly positive. I mean, some people always have some thing that they're looking at, uh, but uh, most of the feedback I've gotten has been uh, most positive. Yeah, they a lot of interest in Angela and uh, what she's doing for the state, and uh, people want to know more about her. What uh, do you go in with like a plan into those features? You do a nice job writing these feature profiles on people, and you've done a lot of them. Do you do a? Do you have kind of like? an idea of what you want to do or direction from your editor or do you just kind of go in and see what comes out no i was all on my own i i follow the colombo school of journalism where i just go in and stumble bumble around until people feel sorry for me and then they give up the good stuff uh all right well let's jump out uh, right now to the sprint special guest line uh, Sprint, they make uh, it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. She is the state epidemiologist for the Utah Department of Health. She is Dr. Angela Dunn with us here on The Big Show. Dr. Dunn, thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you today? Yeah, of course. Good. Happy to be here. I'm doing well. Hey, real quick, before we get into all sorts of stuff, I, I've got to ask, what do you think of Gordon's feature piece he wrote? I think it gave me a lot of credit that maybe I don't deserve, but he did a fantastic job. <laughs> well, as I always tell people, uh, subjects as I'm talking to them, it's only as good as people are willing to open up to. And Angela, one thing that you have proven is that you're very articulate and uh, know your stuff. And one of the things in your story that stood out to me is is the emphasis your parents put on serving other people. And as a doctor, you can... That can be a very lucrative uh, profession, but you seem to lean toward uh, a tendency to want to help people, and, and that stood out to me. Yeah, sure. I mean, definitely you don't go into public health to make millions, um, but it is, it is certainly a passion, and I love not only the people I serve, but the people I work with. We have a great public health system here with so many passionate people that are truly engaged in protecting the health of all Utahns. You know, I've really tried to follow this uh, whole thing locally because I feel obviously it has the most impact on me personally, and it's also where I can have the most impact. So I've appreciated your updates and, you know, with with Spencer Cox and kind of the the team that's uh, been assigned to lead us through this. What's that been like, really a whole community looking to you for leadership? I mean, honestly, it it truly is a team approach, and that's what makes our response here is so effective in Utah, that you've got public health at the table with economic experts, um, community experts in virology, immunology, and clinical medicine alongside the businesses, alongside the politicians, because this is really a multifaceted response. And so it really takes all sectors to have an effective approach. And so that's why I think we've been so successful, is that we've all been able to come to the table to discuss these important topics and, and make hard decisions, you know? How do you handle it, doctor, when, when uh, uh, well, let me back up. The people I talked to about you to get background, they all said that you're a people person and you're able to bring people together. What do you do when you as a health professional, as a physician, have a certain feeling about 
the way things should be treated on, on a grand scale. And you have others at the table who might be more concerned about economics, finances of the thing and all that. How do you meet in the middle or how do you come to some sort of condition that's workable? Sure. I mean, I think for kind of any negotiation strategy, it's first important to identify what your common goal is. And, and we're all seeking a common goal. We want to end this pandemic as quickly as possible. From the health perspective, we want to have the smallest number of cases, the smallest number of illnesses and deaths. And then from the economic perspective, we want to have you know the smallest economic impact. Um, so we're all shooting for the same goal. And that really helps start the, the conversation um, around what are the appropriate next steps. And how are we doing on that journey? We, I mean, we are doing fantastic. Our local health departments, our clinical providers on the ground have done such a great job in terms of identifying cases quickly and, and doing all the, you know, boots on the ground contact tracing and identifying people who might have been exposed. Um, we are starting to see flattening of the curve, as they say. I mean, we are starting to see lower case numbers every day. We want to make sure that that keeps it up for a couple of weeks before we, you know, hang our hat on anything. But but we are doing well. And a lot of it is not only public health, but people out there in Utah adhering to social restriction recommendations. I mean, without people adhering to those, we wouldn't nearly be as far along in the epidemic as we are. See, this is this is the conundrum here, because what you just said, you know better than anyone that it's true. And yet you have people out there who are involved in protests who want things to be opened up what's your message to to those folks i know it's so hard we are asking the public to do a lot right now we're asking you to stay home to not work to not engage with your community as you usually do and and that's really tough especially when you start seeing these lower numbers and it's easy to quickly jump to the conclusion that we should open everything up but this is actually the time where we need to be really disciplined about social distancing to drive our numbers as close to zero as possible so that we prevent a second peak from happening. So now is the time where people need to be more disciplined than ever with the social distancing. Dr. Angela Dunn is on with us on the big show. And and Dr. Dunn, you come on a a sports uh, show, you probably expect some clunky sports analogies. But on those uh, those numbers that you're talking about, for for average folks like us who are doing our best to to combat this thing, what is the scoreboard? What is relevant information that we can pay attention to to let us know how things are going? Yeah, so the first thing to look at is, of course, our number of cases every day relative to the number of tests we're doing. Um, So we've been holding steady about 5% of everybody we've tested have been positive throughout this outbreak. We are starting to see a decrease in that. So we're at 4.5% now, and that means that we're finding less disease, even though we're testing a lot of people. And that's really important. That's a great sign. Um, And, of course, the other is hospitalization. So our hospitalization rate is decreasing, and that means that people aren't getting as sick as they were at the beginning of this. And that's something that we really work hard to prevent. So who should be tested, do you think, uh, if you have symptoms or are people being tested who don't have symptoms? Yeah, so it's really important um, for any clinical test for people to have a reason to be tested. It influences the accuracy of the test. So for the COVID-19 test, it's really important to either have a close exposure to someone who you know has COVID or have any symptoms that are consistent with COVID. If you don't have either one of those things, your chances of having a false positive or getting a positive result when you really don't have disease it's pretty high, and we don't, we don't want to put that burden on anyone. So we're recommending close contact with a known positive COVID case or a mild symptom um, of COVID-19, and, and you should get tested. 
want to ask you about your experience on that infamous night uh, with the Utah Jazz in, in Oklahoma City. And I know Gordon told a bit of this story uh, when he wrote about you. But the, the, the focus of the world for a brief period of time was on the Utah Jazz and on Utah and on Salt Lake City. And you, of course, were right in the middle of all of that. What was that experience like? I mean, it was it was just nuts. I mean, of course we would have the first NBA player to test positive for COVID. I mean, these types of things for, you know, a relatively small state, we seem to have these kind of one-offs happen to us where we get the limelight for a little bit for, for good or for bad. So it was a crazy 48 hours um, filled with kind of a lot of unknown because we weren't sure, you know, how many people were potentially exposed and trying to do all the contact tracing as quickly as possible to ease fears and really identify those who, you know, had close contact with, with the two positive jazz players. Um, And then, of course, reaching out to all the worried family members, fans, um, jazz staff, and, of course, jazz players to tell them next steps um, really uh, was was a good, good experience because they are a great organization and very respectful and really wanted to know the good information that they could follow and be a good example for the rest of Utah. Um, And it just it it kind of put public health in the limelight and. We don't do we didn't do anything for the jazz that we don't do for every other single person that tests positive or comes into close contact with a COVID case here in Utah. Um, so it, so it definitely highlighted our processes that we do for every Utah in here. Continuing on with the sports theme, Angela, you were a, a college volleyball player. What was that experience like, and how has it helped you through your career? Yeah, I mean, I think playing any team sport um, definitely helps. It has helped me um, be able to bring people together and understand how to work with people from different backgrounds to achieve a common goal. And, of course, especially in, in women's college sports, there's, there's a lot of drama. Um, so being able to work through that and still come out with um, a successful outcome is something that I can certainly apply to every aspect of my life today. I'm glad it's you who said that, not me. Uh, Dr. Dunn, can you tell us uh, about antibody tests? This is something I've been uh, trying to read more about uh, recently, and I've seen uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox mention that this could be part of Utah's plan. Can you tell us what that is and what we can learn from it? Sure. So antibody testing is something that you take from a tube of blood. So a needle goes, you know, usually in your in your and in your arm, and they pull out a tube of blood and they test it for something called antibodies. Antibodies are what your immune system makes in response to an infection. So we would be looking specifically for COVID-19 antibodies, and it's a sign that somebody has been exposed to COVID. Um, Sometimes this means that you can be immune, but we just don't know enough about COVID-19 to know if that means you're immune and can't get infected. But this antibody test will be essential for us to understand everybody who's been exposed to COVID-19 in Utah um, who maybe weren't tested with the nose swab that everyone's getting right now. And so it'll really allow us to know who's still vulnerable, who could still be infected in the future, um, and and where we should put resources right now. Um, So this is something that nationally every state is looking toward, including our federal partners. It's an essential piece of this outbreak response, and and we here in Utah are actually going to start doing it um, in small pilot sites in the coming weeks. And what's the accuracy percentage on those kinds of tests? Yeah, so again, it has to do with your likelihood of having disease to start out with. So, um, you know, being in an area like Summit County or Salt Lake County where there's a lot of COVID-19 is where we're going to start because it decreases the false positives or, you know, identifying people who maybe the test says that you've been exposed, but you really haven't. And so the key is to really 
do these testing where where there is a lot of known disease already. So we'll be starting in Summit in Salt Lake County and then and then move on from there. Dr. Angela Dunn with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Dr. Dunn, you alluded to the, the good folks of our healthcare system uh, a little bit earlier. And I want to give you a chance maybe to circle back there and give some attaboys because it seems like our, our healthcare system here in, in Salt Lake and Utah and along the Wasatch Front has really responded to this thing admirably. I mean, we are so lucky in Utah to have such great health systems that come together in times of crisis to have a standardized approach to how we react to this COVID-19. And that has been essential in our success. I mean, our providers are out there on the front line, donning all of this personal protective equipment, sticking nasal swabs in people's noses, treating people in the hospital that might have COVID and they don't know and potentially exposing themselves. Um, And everybody's working really long hours to ensure that Utahns can still get the health care that they deserve and need. Um, And it's just... It, it can't be stressed more that, that they are the true heroes of this. And, and our job in public health is to do everything we can to protect the healthcare care system um, so that healthcare workers can safely provide care to their patients without having to worry about being infected with COVID. Now, I'm sure you've never been asked this question, but uh, what's your prediction moving forward for what's going to happen next? Yeah, you know, predictions in pandemics with novel coronaviruses are um, probably not too smart to make, um, but there are signs that um, throughout the country that the peaks of cases will probably be in June, um, and we might see a decrease in the warmer months, and then in the fall potentially have another run of COVID-19 when all the respiratory viruses are circulating. Um, so, so that's where we're kind of planning for, um, but hoping that that we never see COVID-19 again. <laughs> It, it's it's amazing how much we're learning on a daily basis, I guess. And, and when you look at it from a broader perspective, is it impressive with how, I guess, society has mobile, mobilized to combat this unique situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in Utah, it is amazing how we're getting all the different sectors together to try to figure out exactly what's going on and, and how we can prevent more infections. Um, again, like you said, we're learning something new every day, it seems, about COVID-19. So getting that knowledge out and then applying it to our response is essential. What about the mental side of this? This has to be taking something of a toll, uh, the worry out there, the concern. What about what goes on between the years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are asking people to stay at home away from people. And that takes a toll on everybody mentally. Um, mental health is a, is a real thing we need to protect, especially during this pandemic. Intermountain has set up um, a mental health hotline dealing specifically with COVID-19, and our coronavirus hotline also has tips on that. Um, we need to make sure that we're reaching out to individuals that might be living alone and not have that connection of family members in their household and calling them or, or using video chat to try to make those connections as much as possible so that we can all stay mentally healthy. Dr. Dunn, while we've had you, I've been, been thinking all day to make sure that we ask you all the relevant stuff our informa- or, or information that our listeners need to know. And I guess I'll ask you an open-ended question. Is there anything that we haven't addressed that you feel like our listeners really need to take home and inform their families about our current situation? I mean, you, you definitely asked all the relevant questions. You know, I just... I want to reiterate that I know what we're asking the public to do is hard with the social distancing, um, but the last thing we want to do is, is open up everything too early and see a huge spike in cases. 
So it's a very sensitive time right now in our outbreak, and the policymakers are, are doing everything they can to, to make the right decisions moving forward. So patience and understanding and social distancing are crucial right now. So, Angela, I interviewed you last week, and you told me about your story. You told me about going to Africa and with the Ebola outbreak over there. And last night, I happened to watch a movie, Blood Diamond, and uh, it was set in Sierra uh, yep. Leone. And uh, they mentioned a few of the places in the movie that you had talked about actually being in. Uh, hopefully, it's not a little less violent over there now than it was back when that movie was, or the period of time that that was uh, sort of addressing. But tell us about your Africa experience and what that was like. Sure. So um, I was working for the CDC and responded to the um, 2014 Ebola outbreak um, at the peak of the cases in Sierra Leone and went to a small village called Tonkalili where um, I was responsible for setting up everything we're talking about here, surveillance, contact tracing, case investigation, um, healthcare worker protection, um, very different situation, though, right? Here in Utah, we're talking about using apps and online technology and, and other such things. There, we were u- literally using pen and paper. Um, we didn't have Internet. Our electricity was, you know, coming in and out. And so it was really going back to shoe leather, public health, um, hiking. So we could only drive so far, and then we would have to hike for, you know, an hour or two to get to a village to actually do contact tracing, um, so it was really bare bones in terms of public health action, um, but definitely prepared me to be able to hopefully effectively respond to a pandemic in, in the U.S. Um, so it was a challenging, frightening, um, and emotional time. Um, but but I, I just look back on that and hope that I, I made even a smidge of difference in that village. You told me a story when you were over there. You always wore long sleeves and long pants. And at one point, you were hiking somewhere to to do your job. And uh, you had your pants rolled up to your knees. And uh, you actually had a young a young kid reach out and touch your leg. And, and you, 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 I'm paraphrasing your quote, but I thought it was really, really powerful that you said it was a strange feeling to have the human touch feel so threatening. Uh, that that is that's fascinating, and I think there you can extrapolate from that a little bit with what Utahns and Americans and people around the world are feeling right now with with what's going on. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, we're so used to being able to comfort each other physically during times of stress. Um, so I I'm I'm coming into my office every day, and I only interact with a handful of people. And during the stressful time, I mean, daily, I've wanted to give people hugs. Um, you know, just out of comfort, and, and we're not able to do that. So so it is strange that we just don't have that ability to physically touch each other um, in a comforting way anymore during this pandemic. Well, Dr. Dunn, we want to thank you for taking a few minutes of your very, very valuable time to come on with us, and thanks for being such a great communicator during this whole, story, uh, this whole thing. A lot of us are, are looking to you, so thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for getting the word out. You guys have a good afternoon. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Angela Dunn, uh, Utah State Epidemiologist, uh, Utah Department of Health. And I I thought that was just terrific, Gordon. That was so useful for me personally. I hope it was for our listeners because she is she's very clear. She's very to the point. And like I said, she's a she's a really good communicator. We're we're lucky to have her during this uh, particular period of our local history. Yeah, She's smart and she cares about people. 
And, you know, and, and but her job is so much bigger than that because, yes, yeah, she's looking out for the welfare of Utahns. But she's also dealing with politicians and, and she's in the middle of the mix, you know, and somehow you've got to bring all this together and try to uh, find the best path forward. And I'm, I'm sure that's what she's trying to do. She liked your piece, Gordon. Is that is that you good? sound surprised? No, you... no, no, no. I, I was just I just had this running through my mind. Like if you've ever heard somebody review, like if you were to write a feature on Austin and then somebody down the line says, hey, what do you think of Gordon's feature? Have you ever had somebody say, oh, that stunk? I have had that experience uh, on occasion. Oftentimes, uh, people are, are happy with uh, with what's uh, been written. And every once in a while, someone is uh, angry. And uh, I've had I've had the whole the whole spectrum in that regard, because I did like your your piece you wrote on her. And it doesn't surprise me that she liked it either. But there was a part of me that was hoping she would go. Meh, it was all right. Oh, really? What part of you was hoping for that? Because, the part uh, that wanted to chuckle. I'll punch that part uh, <laughs> later on. You know. But, uh, no, she was she was very interesting to talk to, and uh, I like telling those stories. I don't do as much feature writing as I once did uh, when I was in L.A. I was a feature writer. I did that full time. And, uh, you know, from from sports to I mean, everybody from John Elway to to Wolfgang Puck. I mean, that's what I did. I traveled around and uh, interviewed people and told their stories. And uh, I don't do it much anymore. So every once in a while, somebody will say, hey, why don't you do something on so and so? And that's what happened in this case. And there is so much interest, so many people concerned about what's going on with this coronavirus that they they have sort of focused in on Angela Dunn and were eager to know a little bit more about her. So that's what I tried to provide. I believe it's pronounced Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Not like a like a gong, like a like a giant symbol. Well, like Wolfgang, you know. No, it's German Wolfgang. Pronunciation. Uh, okay. Well, you can say it that way. Potato, potato, whatever. Tomato, tomato. What, whatever you want to. Porsche, Porsche. <laughs> no, there's only one right way to say that. And you've been mispronouncing it for your entire life. Yeah. It's a good thing you don't own one. Porsche. Because then, then, then that would be unacceptable. They'd be going around saying, yeah, I own a Porsche. I bet Wolfgang owns a Porsche. Uh, or Porsche. I can't even get, I can't even remember which one I troll you about anymore. Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, yeah. my name's Wolfgang, and I'm driving my Porsche. Yeah, he probably could uh, could drive 50 of them if he wanted to. Want to remind you about our good friends at uh, Zero Res. The Zero Res No Residue Method continues to lead the industry in cleaning technology to date. No other method has uh, been proven to outclean Zero Res. Call 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-Z. E-R-O, or you can uh, search online for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. We've got a partner profile coming up at 4.50. And Bowler, during the whole 5 o'clock hour, should we sneak in a not sports report coming up next? Do we dare, Austin? Next? Next! Well, Austin's not hey, If you board. guys don't want to do it, I, I'll, I'll I, I was the one who proposed it. I know, but Austin sounded like he didn't want it. Let's do it tomorrow. 
Wow, Gordon, I, I, I we'll want to hear. We'll do it the right way tomorrow. <laughs> I want to hear your segment. I'm, I'm looking we'll forward to it. I brought it up. Next. I think we should do it next. Okay. All right. right. Not Sports Mm -hmm. Board. Coming up next, stay tuned. Partner profile from the Ronald McDonald House at 450 and Bowler for the entire 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. While I'm living, I won't need your love. When I'm gone Don't spend time, tears and money On my own breathless body If your heart is in them This is Tanya going out to Ute Shasta trailer On a, <laughs> excuse me, Total Request Tuesday a, a real uh, up uplifting song. Yeah, real. <laughs> yeah, perfect going into the not sports port, actually. Uh, brought to you by our friends at the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Uh, just uh, over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, i got two things. Uh, one from Oklahoma and the other from Austin. Austin was telling me that, I guess, during this pandemic, that uh, certain, I guess, some organization has been tracking the most popular foods that have been ordered, or is it delivered, Austin, or it's, picked up? It's the most uh, ordered and delivered via Uber Eats by state. Okay. So what's the most popular food item that's been ordered and delivered by Uber, Eat, Uber Eats since March? In the state of Utah? Uh, they have one for every state, the most uh, delivered and ordered for every state. But the one for the state of Utah... Carne asada French fries. I've never had the pleasure. You guys? They're amazing. No. Yes. I've Are they? It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Colorado there's, is also a carne asada fries. There's a spot right by my house that does uh, some mean carne asada French fries. I mean, just really? think of everything that goes into a carne asada burrito and put it on top of French fries. I don't think I've ever had those. Oh. I, to I mean, they'll, they'll probably stop your heart in the next week or two. But The picture looks like uh, the bears would enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a hearty item. What is the most, uh, most delivered uh, nationally? Oh, it doesn't have a national. It just has oh, okay. one, one for every state. Is there something that's really unusual that people are ordering, or most of them yeah, fairly well, predictable? Well, as far as the, the the one in Oklahoma is spicy tuna roll, which surprised me. You don't think in of Oklahoma. sushi in Oklahoma, do you? No, I was thinking something beef oriented. Yeah, yeah. Well, nor is it, I mean sushi's best, I guess. Fresh is that a real deliverable yeah, item? Well, yeah, I know. guess if they're quick. <laughs> when you've got a Corona craving, that's where you go. Hey. I, we've All had right. the takeout sushi, so I guess I'm being California's looks phenomenal. What's though. that? Chicken tikka masala. Ooh, delicious! Absolutely, that looks great. What's Arizona into? Arizona is just plain old French fries. Lame. Oh. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> Georgia pad thai. That surprises me. Indiana waffle fries, not French fries. Waffle, waffle fries. fries. Wow. Okay. Iowa, what's a poke bowl? A poke. Oh, poke. It doesn't have a little accent above it, so I just thought it was poke. Where was that? Uh, that'd be uh, Iowa. That's a really random, strange one for Iowa. Louisiana, chips and queso. Now, this one is really boring, but I want it now. Maine. Now, think Maine. What do you get in Maine? Lobster. Right. Potatoes. You would, you'd think a lobster. Ro- <laughs> get out of here with that. <laughs> Borscht and potatoes. No. It's not Mother Russia. 
this Maine. You get live seafood, not live, but fresh seafood. Yeah. They go with cheese pazzo bread, which is essentially, you know, crazy bread with cheese on it. That's so randomly specific. <laughs> it is. <laughs> not All not right. French bread. <laughs> not yes. sourdough bread. Right. I'm bread. Try me some of that carne asada, whatever it is. No, uh, do yourself a favor. They're, Missouri they're crab rangoon. Oh. What? In Missouri. What is Uber Eats delivered like one meal in this whole in these states where they're like, well, that's the most frequent one. Some nut in Georgia ordered pad thai and that's it. I got a friend who lives in Seattle, and he has a rule that he never orders seafood more than 500 miles from the coast. There are some places, like our local like Market Street, they'll deliver, they fly that stuff in fresh. Yeah. Right? That's all right. Yeah. Now, this um, one makes sense, and then I'll leave you to do your side of the not sports port, Gordon. Pennsylvania, any guesses? Let's see, uh, uh, cheesesteaks? That's correct. They stay true to their stereotype there in Pennsylvania. The number one ordered meal via Uber Eats is cheesesteak in pennsylvania cheese wit no cheese steak no. <laughs> okay all right here's my story out of oklahoma a family in a place called chikasha is that how you say it chikasha 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 i i saw this news report earlier it's chikasha yeah they uh they moved into a house that had been vacated a family four kids and and uh, two adults. I think other family members have moved in as well. But you think the COVID-19 uh, uh, isolation situation is difficult. Then feel for this family because they moved into this house and it's getting warm down there in Oklahoma. And so they're sort of caged up in this house. But they have a bee infestation in and around the house. That doesn't sound good. No. So wait, they're squatting there, or they are just no, they, living they, there? They live there. They they own the house, but apparently, when they bought the house, there was there was no sign of bees. But the bees have built these giant nests uh, around the house. I don't know if some of the nests are in the house. You know, as far of as part of the uh, the structure of the house itself, but. Uh, they're having a very difficult time because they don't have air conditioning, and so it's hot, so they have to open the windows, and the bees are getting in the house. Hmm. And they have 11 kids living there, Gordo. Did you say that already? I don't know if you reported that part. Mm, it was a lot. I thought it was eight, but whatever. And two whatever. of them are allergic to bees. Wow. Yes. So, Gordon, you, you seem to be the, uh, the king of the home remedy. I mean, what, uh, what would you suggest? Uh, calling uh, someone to come and get those bees taken care of. However, exterminator. they did, and they got the cheapest quote was like $600 to get them removed. Well, you try to remove a, a big old wasp nest well, or whatever Well, that's what I'm saying. We need, a, we need a home remedy. We need, what, do you just spray it with the hose? I mean. <laughs> Something tells me that would make it worse before it would make it better. So what are these these folks to do if they can't afford an exterminator? What do you do? I had a friend who had a a wasp nest, a hornet's nest, whatever it is, in a tree that was right next to his house, and he decided it would be a good idea to start shooting a BB gun at it, and that that was a major major mistake, major, because you couldn't go outside his house for like two months because the bees were all riled up.
What did he think he was going to do? Shoot each individual bee? <laughs> what what possible logic would would I don't know. Yeah, sure, know. there's about 5,000 bees in that nest, but you know what? I'm going to get every single there one. There's no match for trusty Trixie here on my yep, hip. Yep, Red Rider all the way. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to take out... I could shoot a, a wasp out of the air at 50 paces. <laughs> if you're going to take out a hornet's nest, then you better get a 12-gauge shotgun, right? Or, or maybe I don't a, think that would work How either. about a flamethrower, huh? <laughs> that might... <laughs> and but you then burn you'd be like down, that, right? that dude in Brian Head that that burned True. down. Yeah, but acres, the bees would acres, be gone. Yeah, the bees would be gone. I, yeah, but so would everything else. It's like I the mean, kid walking around at scout camp spraying mosquitoes out of the air instead of putting the repellent on him. Right. I, I, if anybody's an exterminator out there, if you have an answer to the question, if you have bees at your house and uh, a family can't afford your services, what do you recommend? I mean, is there some trick to it? Can you pour vinegar on the nest or something? Our friend yeah. uh, our friend living in Salt Lake says, can of any aerosol and a lighter. That'll take care of the <laughs> And the home. And yes. most of the neighborhood. You know that's how that guy burned down Brian <laughs> yes. Head, right? Is yes. he was trying to weed his garden with a flamethrower? That's right, yeah. Mm. It, was a, it was a quick way of getting rid of the weeds. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to. You don't hurt your back as much with a with a flame. And you get to see fire. Yeah, and you get to see and fire. Jail. And jail. I think he did go to jail. Didn't he, he did. Or, yeah, or he, he was supposed to plead it out. I don't know. But. I think he got fined too fairly heavily. What uh, what insect would you least want to have uh, building a high building a nest next to your house? Well, bees don't sound real wasps, great. Yeah, yeah. wasps are, are terrible. Know. What are the? How about like tarantulas or scorpions? Something? Scorpions sound scorpions, pretty bad. And black widows. It's a lovely neighborhood, but it's run over by scorpions. Yes. When I, uh, Jake, when I was looking at our neighborhood, moving here from California, I was looking at a house that was uh, uh, way up at the top, and uh, I, I asked. I really like this house a lot, so I went next door and I knocked on the door and I said, "Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, since you're right on the on the mountain here." Uh, and I had young kids at the time, and I said, uh, have you seen any rattlers up around here? And uh, the guy said, oh, no, no, we haven't had much of a problem at all. We've only, uh, in five years, we've only seen 10. And I said, well, that's 10 too many. Thank you. I decided not to move on that street. Haven't gotten any in your current neighborhood? Your current Knock street? Wood, no. Have you? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah. Now, see, when, when coronavirus is all over and done with, perhaps having a wasp infestation would be good to keep away the pesky door-to-door people. There you go. You're not getting any vacuum, sal- vacuum salesmen coming up when you've got an army of wasps. Because I'm getting a lot so of those So you're suggesting now. essentially <laughs> uh, bees as, as house pets? Yeah, one <laughs> vacuum salesman I've seen in the past hey, 20 I've got years. A, I've got a bee suit in one of those smoker cans. I'm good. <laughs> But Jake's got a good point. Yeah, when's the last time a guy that? knocked on your door? I've got a Kirby that you need to see. <laughs> I would on demand. You know, you could uh, have uh, that that hornet's nest uh, at your beck and call. Well, Sick can imagine? Can you imagine Austin with that kind of power, Jake? Uh, <laughs> Training bees? No. <laughs> anyway, anyway, interesting. I've always wanted to box up a bee's nest or a beehive and mail it to somebody. 
Could you imagine opening, uh, like, being excited, like, hey, guys, look, I got something from Amazon, and firing it open, <laughs> and it's a hive of bees? In their uh, kitchen. <laughs> how, how, how deliverable would that be? This is like a this is like the Wiley e. Coyote cartoon here. We actually know somebody. All three of us know somebody that ordered bees through the mail, and uh, got in some trouble because they 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 sedate the bees for the travel, and the bees woke up while the the box was still at the post office. We know someone what? who did this. Yeah, you've never heard. And that they story? got out at the post office. Well, they didn't get out, but they definitely called uh, our boy Ben. Your box said, is a humming. And said, you know what, You're, there's a box here addressed to you, and it's buzzing quite loudly. <laughs> if you could please come down here and get it, that would be terrific. Did it have Acme on the side of the well, box? Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the honey people out there, you can order bees online. So just so I have this straight. I'm going to order uh, a batch what, of bees what, to Gordon's. What do you, <laughs> what, Happy birthday. What do you use to uh, sedate bees? I don't know, like a, a, a gas of some sort? I've heard beer works well. That's why people put beer in their gardens. Little cups of beer, the bees eat that, drink that, and then, and then buzz around like you would. That's why it's called getting a buzz. <laughs> and forget where they live. <laughs> <laughs> End up a mile away and be like, wait, how'd I get here? <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yeah, nothing uh, nothing better than having a, a drunk hive of bees, yep. <laughs> This doesn't look familiar at all. You know what? Good not sports report today, fellas. That was that was worth it. Good job. Drunken bees. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, good job. Gordon. Do we still have a problem with those like uh, those wild African bees that are like killers? Well, I don't think. Have we ever had a problem with killer bees? Well, I mean, in Arizona, I think they're. I think they were moving up who, from. Who cares about them? <laughs> I just for a while there, people were really concerned about these these aggressive bees that are take down a horse. Coming up next, we have another partner profile, and uh, this one's going to be a really good one. We're talking to uh, someone from the Ronald McDonald House about what they're doing uh, during these uh, interesting times, and they're actually partnering with Mark Miller Subaru on some things. We're going to get to it all coming up straight ahead. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, it's another. It's time for another partner profile. And Gordon, we've been doing these throughout this situation and it's been, I, I think, very productive and it's been a little fun as well to highlight um, some, of, some of our partners and the good that they're still doing out in the community, helping others and trying to kind of do their best to cope like everybody else, right? Yeah, I, I've enjoyed talking to different people and it, 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 what it does is it uh, engenders this whole idea of helping one another out, even in these kind of strange uh, social distancing times. Uh, you can still find ways to help. 
No doubt. And we're going to talk to somebody that uh, not only helps during these particular times, but someone that uh, that helps out all the time. And we're chasing, we're hoping to talk to uh, Carrie Romano, who's the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities. And they've had to make some adjustments through uh, these situations that we'll talk to her about. And our friends at uh, Mark Miller Subaru have been involved to help these families as well. And, uh, you you know, Gordon, we love Jeff Miller and the, the good folks over there, Mark Miller Subaru, and they're great partners of ours here on The Zone uh, Sports Network. And no surprise that they're figuring out different ways to uh, assist those that need it and organizations like the Ronald McDonald House that are out there doing so much good. Yeah, here, here. No doubt about that. So we're hoping to talk to uh, Kerry coming up here momentarily. Uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, Craig Bowlerjack is going to join us. He's going to be on with the uh, with us for the entire hour, so make sure and stay tuned for that. All right, let's get right to it. Let's go out to the Zone phone. Joining us now, the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities here in the Intermountain area. She is Kerry Romano with us here on The Big Show. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing just great, and uh, we're excited to have you on to talk about how you guys are adjusting to continue to to help folks out, uh, especially those folks that are in need of it the most. Absolutely. Uh, You know, the mission will endure this pandemic. We will continue to serve pediatric patient families when they they need each other most and they need to be near medical care. It just looks really uh, different than it normally does, but... But the mission uh, will endure this pandemic. So thanks for, for talking about the mission. So what is the mission? What, what, how is it different? Okay, so our charitable mission, Ronald McDonald House Charities, that is, is to surround families with the support they need to be near and to care for their seriously ill or injured children. So we try to keep folks together near the medical care that they need for their children. We serve lots of rural Utah families or families from uh, other states um, and even other countries who are coming to access um, life-saving pediatric care for their kids at Primary Children's Hospital, the University of Utah, or Shriners Hospital. And uh, we usually do that in our Ronald McDonald House in Salt Lake City, um, which serves about 4,000 families a year. And we also have some hospital-based programs that offer uh, overnight rooms and support and respite for families. But we have changed the way we're operating uh, to keep families safe, especially the vulnerable families we're serving that have immune-compromised kids and pretty high-acuity kids. So we put them all in separate safe lodging and uh, arranged separate awesome transportation and food for folks so they can have transportation to get to and from the hospitals. And we were just uh, talking about this, Carrie. That's where our friends at Mark Miller Subaru come in, and we've we've uh, they've been partners of ours going back years. We love Jeff Miller. He's he actually does a car show every weekend on on our airwaves, and they're a, a great family and a, and a great organization. And they're helping these families, right? They're providing them with uh, with rentals from their loaner fleet. Yes, they're so awesome. We love Mark Miller Subaru. Uh, they're amazing, and Jeff is amazing. And what happened for us is. The day of the earthquake in Salt Lake, uh, we talked and knew that we had to do something quickly to keep folks safe. And we were running shuttles to the hospital many times a day with lots of families together who, again, are pretty vulnerable and have immune-compromised kids. And I uh, said, hey, any chance 
uh, if you guys would consider helping us with some Subarus for these families to get to and from the hospital if we place these families in separate lodging throughout the city during this pandemic. And they didn't even flinch. They said absolutely yes. And so they have given free Subarus in a kind of monthly lease uh, with no fee to these folks, which is just awesome because they can get to and from the hospital and uh, don't need to um, be with other folks so they can keep their kids safe. Is there anything our listeners can do to help? You bet they can. Uh, anybody can support our mission at Ronald McDonald House, Utah.org. Uh, we have created a COVID-19 um, relief fund because we're we're uh, supporting about 60 families um, in the last couple weeks that have about 180 individuals in them with food, lodging, and transportation. And we're doing that again in a really different kind of way, but we're trying to keep them safe. And so anybody can get involved. Uh, and our biggest fundraiser of the year is coming up this Saturday. It's a virtual gala. And um, anybody who wants to participate in that can uh, join us. So... You're welcome to check out our website at RonaldMcDonaldHouseUtah.org. Gala, Gordon. Now she's speaking your language. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say this. Our listeners are very generous and in various causes, and this sounds like a terrific way to help. Thank you. You guys, we have such an awesome and cool community. Mark Miller Subaru and so many awesome businesses and company or and foundations and individuals have stepped up to support patient families when they need it the most. So we'd love to earn any support from your listeners. Well, Carrie, we really uh, appreciate all that you do and your entire organization. Thank you very much for coming on and talking about it today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys. Have a great day, Carrie. Thank you. That's Carrie Romano. She is the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities right here in the Intermountain area. And what a great story. They've adapted what they've done to continue to do so, enlisted the help of Mark Miller Subaru to help these families, you know, because, of course, their mission still continues. And, man, I, I love that, Gordon. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And it takes a person like her to to make that stuff happen. Very enthusiastic very uh, energetic, and uh, that—that that just sounds like when you're helping families, when they're in that kind of situation, it is a fantastic thing. Yep, here, here. All right, coming up next, we've got a whole hour with Craig Bowler, Jack. Stay tuned. The television voice of the Jazz joins us next on 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone.